Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we are live. So welcome to another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. My name is Kevin Daisy, one of your hosts. Uh, we specialize in law firm digital marketing. So for everyone tuning in, if you need help growing your firm, growing your pipeline, that's what we're here to do. So welcome to another live recording. I got a special guest today, Jessica Pride. So Jessica, thanks so much for joining me. Look forward to hearing your story today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. And I guess, uh, again, real quick, for everyone tuning in, we are live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So if you have any questions, please ask. Jessica will be happy to answer any of those questions. So again, our audience really is managing partners and aspiring to be managing partners, lawyers out there, attorneys, either looking to go on their own at some point uh, or have already been on their own and just looking for you know some extra tidbits, some, some little golden nuggets of how they can you know apply to their firm and grow even more. So Jessica, Tell us about your background, your story, how you got to where you are today. Your story. Wow. Um, you have more than 20 minutes. <laughs> well, let's cut it so, down a little bit. <laughs> and I'll try and give you a microcosm. I was born and raised in Southern California. Um, was that kid who I think my mom always said I like to argue too much. Um, in high school, one of my friends got pushed into the lockers by some bullies. And I really just felt the need to defend the little guy. And I was at that point, was 98 pounds. And this little girl who'd never gotten to a fist fight before. And I just started talking about junk and went fighting for it because I was like, you can't push people and hurt people. And they called her a racial slur. And I was like, that is not okay. Um, so I think that just kind of started my journey into how I became a plaintiff's injury lawyer, a uh, personal injury lawyer. Uh, I love fighting for the little guy. And so I went to law school and right out of, went to UCI, then went to USD Law, uh, the Harvard here of San Diego, and had the most amazing time in law school. And I really felt like I found my people. And... Right out of law school, actually in law school, it was uh, it was a funny story. My husband and I, my current husband, who's also my law partner, we were studying for exams at the end of the year. And I had been traveling for the first two years of law school uh, because my mentor had said, as soon as you come out, you are going to work your ass off and you will not have any time off. You're not going to be able to go on a 10 day vacation. So enjoy it while you can. Go now. Right? Because it doesn't happen when you're a baby lawyer. And so my husband said to me at the time, he goes, you couldn't get a job if you wanted to. All you do is travel and, you know, have fun in law school. And I was like, I can get a job if I want to. I just don't, I'm not ready to like make that move yet. So he made me a bet. And the next week I had a full-time job uh, working for, funny enough, Tom Girardi. Uh, Tom Girardi is now in the news right now. Um, hot topic, him and Erica Jane. Uh, but this was back in the day and he actually was a lovely person to work for. I got to see him in trial um, twice and had so many amazing experiences and learned about personal injury and his passion for the law. He really is passionate about it. So... I could have stayed in LA, but I hate traffic and LA. Everyone's always so angry. I don't get it. Like everything's an argument with defense lawyers in LA. So I decided to come back to San Diego. And so he said, if you come back to San Diego, you can only work at one place. And that was for Dave Casey here at um, Casey Gary in San Diego. They are the oldest and largest law firm, personal oh. injury law firm in San Diego. So I had the pleasure of working them for 
for them for seven years, really got a great foundation as to how to do personal injury law, everything from pharmaceutical cases to slip and falls, dog bites, car crashes. And I had my first sexual assault case about 15 years ago. And it was one of those moments where you get that case and you just want to dive into it and you can't let it go. And you're thinking about it in the middle of the night and in the shower. And I ended up becoming friends with the plaintiff. I'm still friends with her to this day and really felt like, God, I made a difference. I changed her life. She was raped and we were able to not only get her money, but get her justice and feel like she got to take her power back. And so at that moment, I was just like, this is what I want to do. I want to help sexual assault survivors. Uh, I've always been passionate about that through my entire life. And to find a way to marry my legal skills with helping survivors was just this beautiful intersection. So at that time, Dave was very awesome and let me start a practice just doing sexual assault cases. Um, but eventually I came to a place where I didn't want to do car crashes anymore. I didn't want to do all this other stuff because it didn't move me. It was like, oh, um, <laughs> So I left. Um, here I am, the Pride Law Firm. Uh, we are, oh God, how old is my daughter? Uh, we are going to be 11 years strong and went from one room office in our house to now we have a whole team. We're a super thriving boutique law firm. We special in, specialize in sexual assault litigation, representing survivors either in personal injury cases or in employment cases. We have about 154 cases right now. Okay. Um, we do cases yeah, mainly in, all over California, um, some across the country, but it's amazing. We every day get to come to work and help survivors get them justice and make a difference. Um, not only in court, but also in our community. I'm president of the board of our local rape crisis center and have just embarked on a new project because I didn't have enough shit on my plate. Um, we're opening up a healing center um, for survivors. So it's different. We are a different type of law firm in the sense that we are a wraparound service kind of law firm. We really take a white glove approach, uh, which is different, um, making sure our clients have healing resources, um, making sure that they can make it through that legal process and that they're supported. We have our we were the only law. We were the first law firm actually in the country to have an in-house victim advocate to help our clients through the process, through the criminal and civil. So really proud of those things and how it's grown. And I can tell you as a managing partner, going from a staff of one to now, you know, we have a whole team. It's a, there's been some growing pains, but right. it's such a rewarding experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, awesome story. Thanks for sharing that with us. And it's, yeah, it's interesting, you know, you start out doing certain things, but then you, you kind of find what really motivates you, what drives you. And sometimes it's, you know, you want to not do the other things just so you can do more of what you want to do. So I highly recommend yeah. that. I mean, I forget who it is that said, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, let's not get it twisted. It's being a lawyer is hard work. And anybody who thinks we just make a ton of money by sitting on our butts, they're fooling themselves. You really do have to grind and hustle, but I love my job and I love the type of law I practice. And so it makes it that much more enjoyable. And so I didn't get into this thinking, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money. I thought I really love it. I'm passionate about this topic and we've just been blessed to, to have it. It's worked out. That's excellent. And so this is the web address down here, victimlawyer.com. I'll put that in the comments so everybody can take a look, uh, check her out. It's a nice site and check out their firm, see what they're all about, see what they're doing. 
So let me put that in the comments right now, just so I don't forget. Thank you. And definitely, yeah, you can check out our website. We are on Instagram, The Pride Law Firm. Uh, we're also, we just, oh my, the girls, so most of the girls that work here are younger than me. And they're, you know, this new generation, Gen Z, I think it is, TikTok. Do you have a TikTok? I don't. Right. See, I'm not a TikToker. I didn't even know how to make the TikToks. So we now have a TikTok, though they are, they set me up and make me like, there you go. That's awesome. Well, I was going to ask you some questions in a minute about yeah. some of the things that you're doing to get your, your name out there and, and things like that. But so one of the questions uh, was, you know, what are some of the different ways that you intake clients? How do you get in front of your clients? Um, what are some of the different ways that you do that? So are you asking like, how are, how do we get clients or what happens yeah. when we get them? Yeah, really. What I guess, you know, what efforts, techniques, whether it's marketing, what are things you're doing that, that bring clients in the door, phone calls, things like that? Yeah. So really early on, I made an investment back then. I mean, it felt like a lot of money. I mean, it still is a lot of money, but you know, I invested about $50,000 into a solid website and to SEO and to really kind of building that social media platform. So we did that. I mean, I started that years ago, 11 years ago, 10 years ago. And so now, I mean, we do rank number one on, if you do a Google search for a sexual assault attorney, San Diego, California will usually pull number one. I think part of it's because of that organic, you really do need mm -hmm. to kind of invest in a good SEO company. Um, we do spend a monthly marketing budget. I use, I really like Obu Interactive. They've been good to me since day one. Landon and his team are awesome. They understand what we do which I think is important too is to have a meeting and really explain your story to your marketing company so they know how to sell you and make sure that your brand is consistent with the product you're putting out and your vibe and all that stuff. So if you look at our website, our vibe is different. That's because we're talking to sexual assault survivors. I'm not talking to the person down the street who just got into a car crash. And yeah. so I wanted the feel to be softer. And if you go to our Instagram page, it's got this whole uniform kind of look and we talk about things that are relevant to survivors. So uh, we work with our marketing company every month. They do continual SEO work. We blog, we do Instagram which that started out, um, we get it significant. You'd be surprised how many people actually follow our stories and like our things or call us and say, Hey, I found you on Instagram, but that's because we did a market analysis early too. And I think you really need to think about who are you trying to talk to? Like who is your projected target? Who's your target client? 100%. Once you figure that out, then you need to speak to them. And so for us, most sexual assault survivors are 18 to 24. So I'm talking to a younger market and they're on Instagram. Now we have a TikTok because yeah. they're on TikTok. And you know, it's it's hard for someone to sometimes to think about like, wait, you would find a lawyer off TikTok? Like, <laughs> that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem to translate, but you have to understand that's not, that's how the younger gen generation communicates. Yeah, you gotta so, go where they, they are gonna go. Exactly. So we do that. Um, I speak at a lot of conferences. Um, I am co-chair of the Sexual Assault Litigation Group for our National Trial Lawyers Association, which is the American Association for Justice. Um, I go to all the sexual assault conferences, which are mainly police, you know, advocates, start nurses, things like that. There's not, they don't tend to be a lot of lawyers there. So I market there. Um, uh, good referral sources, I would assume. 
Right. So, and then lawyers in the community, right? I was on the board for our local trial lawyers association, bunch of stuff like that. So people know that this is my niche. And I think you just always have that elevator pitch. I mean, it doesn't even have to be an elevator pitch when you're just talking about your life and you're passionate about it, but make sure everybody knows what you do. So when they do come across a case, they'll say, Hey, you know what? Oh, I know Jess does that. Let me call Jess and I pay referral fees. So that makes everyone happy. So I'm making money. They're making money. It keeps that constant revenue going. Well, that's awesome. So yeah, for everyone listening, I mean, she's doing the right things. You're investing in the right areas and, and, and looking at different opportunities. I think, you know, as you know, we might say, oh, what's this new social platform? Like this is nothing I'm going to personally be on, but really knowing your ideal customer and where they hang out and how they operate, how they think, how they search, you know, is you need to know all those things so that you can tweak your messaging or marketing efforts to make sure you're, you're there. And I think, you know, the other thing too is, you know, sometimes I'm talking to a lawyer like, well, we don't like to put ourselves out there. We like to organically get our referrals and stuff, like that, which is great. But I think the other thing is if you believe you can help people in these situations, then why not be there when they're looking for your help? And so I usually take think people think about it a little bit different when you when you say it like that. Because you have people like, well, I don't want to be an ambulance chaser and billboards everywhere and all that stuff. And you don't have to be necessarily. But when someone goes and searches because they don't know where to go, you know, you can be a resource for them and, and be there to help them out. So 100%. I mean, and I think that we offer a really unique service here and we understand all of our lawyers and our entire staff is um, trauma informed and we really do take care of our clients and make a difference. And so when someone is in pain or in trauma and needs help, you want to be a resource that they can find and whether they hire me, I mean, that's another thing we do, which I just found as like a personal thing was I wanted to provide survivors. I wanted them to have ways to heal. So we put a whole last year we embarked on during uh, COVID. We did a whole campaign about self-care and we put free resources. And every week we added something else to our website and they're free. People can now go to our website and they don't have to, they could be a past client. They could never be a client. They could, you know, be a current client. It doesn't matter. It could be anybody, but you can go on there and you can get some trauma informed yoga. You yeah. can get, you know, meditation. You can get different things that, you know, I gladly paid, you know, the $200 or whatever it was it cost for the person to, to do the session, but we put things out into the world to, to make it better and to, to make a difference. And I think that also generates traffic. It, I mean, indirectly, that was a benefit from it. Oh, yeah. um, so I think become part of the community that that you are trying to market to as well. And I think be authentic. If you're up there doing something cheesy or you don't really care about what you're doing, I mean, I think it shines through. So we learned that in law school, right? They always say, be yourself. But you come out of law school and you're trying to be like this managing partner. You're trying to be like this partner. You're trying to do the opening (laughs) statement like them because like only so many people can be Jerry Spence or, you know, all these people. You're never going to be that person. Be you because you're the best version of you. Just try and work on it. (laughs) And so I think being authentic about who you are, what your mission statement is, like what you stand for and what you have to bring to the table that really speaks to people and makes them want to retain you. Yeah, hundred percent. And it makes me think of like, I'm like a personal injury lawyer that would like on the motorcycle page, they're like, they're on a, on a Harley, like they're the lawyer, but they still, they ride too, you know? It's like half of them probably don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Completely fake. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to relate, you know, but 
No, I, I love that. Everything you guys are doing sounds amazing. And then, yeah, like even down to like simple things like an article, a blog, that might be helpful to tons of people that might not be your client, you know, but it, it, it might something that helped them out. Just, hey, that was a helpful article. They might not ever be a client, but that's you're putting that out in the world. It does drive traffic, which is a byproduct, which is good. And some of those might turn into a client depending on the situation. So, well, and but, uh, helping other lawyers too. I do a lot of um, CLEs on how to do sexual assault litigation cases. And that results in a lot of lawyers call me. How do you do this? Can I get a sample? Um, do you want to co counsel this? So, I think that's also another way to generate business. And the best way to do that is become an expert in your field and put yourself out there as someone who's willing to help others. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. So what does uh, another different question? We'll change it up a little bit. Um, yeah. What, you know, what's the next two to five years look like for you? What's the plans? What's the goals? Anything big happening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I, we have taken, I really want to change the world, at least in the sense of for sexual assault survivors and make it better. And so right now we have cases against uh, psychiatric wards uh, because most psychiatric wards in the country are actually co-ed. People don't realize that. And so you just try to kill yourself, worst day of your life. You check in, they medicate you. And first night you're trying to sleep and you get raped by another patient that's there that's, you know, crept down the hallway between the 15 minute bed checks. Um, there's really no regulations on that. So uh, one of the projects we're working on is to change legislation here in California and make it safer for patients. Um, and we'd love to then take that across the country and make a difference. So one of the things we're going to work on at the firm is policy changes. So I've hired somebody to just kind of focus on that and do some work um, doing all the research, which is awesome because it's a great, I think it's a great way as lawyers that we can make a difference. And I also think, you know, it gets you out into that industry and that market. And we're pulling a lot of those cases. Um, we are, like I said, this other huge project is we are now opening up a healing center. So hopefully in one to two years from now, that'll be a fully functional open healing center. Wow, uh, for yeah. So we're going to actually, because I, it's hard to find treaters who are trauma informed, who deal with just sexual assault trauma. And so we wanted our clients to have and other survivors out in the world to have a place to go um, to get help. So, you know, really thinking about this from a holistic approach, you know, not only is it helping somebody with legal services, but it's making sure that they're able to heal. And I think it'll end up you know, also being a revenue generating because people might go there first and then they'll say, Hey, did you know the private law firm? I was even yeah, sure. So yeah, sure. Um, that's a project. We're going to continue to do the work that we're doing here. It's really great work. Uh, we continue to expand and to look at new types of sexual assault cases, different things. You know, the spa world right now is a horrible problem. There are, we get a couple calls a day, I would say right now from yeah, yeah. people who went to a massage and were sexually, uh, to a spa and especially these, like the smaller ones in like strip malls and they were sexually assaulted. So see what we can do about getting some justice in that arena, but it's constantly, you know, we once a year have a retreat and we look at the firm and we say like, what's the health of the firm? Are we operating in line with our mission statement? Um, Excellent. Do we does our marketing need improving? Does our case management, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, do we need better case management? I mean, we love our software, but um, I'm just trying to give an example. You know, where can we improve? I think you constantly need to do a check-in every year and say, where are we? And then that's also a really great time. Our team, we always do, we do a vision board every year and we let everybody put 
on our board and in our break room, like, what do you want? What would you love to see for the Pride Law Firm? And where do you want to see us grow? So some of the things on there is we're going to buy a building and we'd love to have a building then where um, we have extra rental space that we only rent to victim-centered businesses. Um, we're, what else do the girls have on the list? I'm trying to think. Awesome. Um, oh, we want to, we're going to write a book. Uh, my victim advocate is writing a book right now and we want to help other advocates and lawyers who do this type of work do their jobs. So we're putting that together. Um, yeah, there's a lot. You just got to put it out there. Uh, and I the think planning sessions now, like universe, it, I really think it, it happens. You have to manifest it, but if you don't have a plan and you don't know what you're looking for or where you're going, it's, it's never going to happen. You're not going to wake up and be like, Oh, surprise. I, I did it. Like you need to be focused. Yeah. And you know, that's part of the part about being the managing partner, right? It's my job to steer the ship and to make sure we're on target and to figure out where are we going and what can I do this year? Right. There's only so much one can do. I still want to practice law. I will want to do all these other projects, but you have to, you have to be realistic about your goals and then make them happen and get help when you need it. hundred percent. Preaching the choir over here, but yeah, having those planning meetings, checking in, doing a company-wide meeting, that's great a retreat. If you, have, if you don't have any goals set or any plans and it's not going to happen for sure. Right. You, know, yeah, you can just go through the motions day to day and do the work, which is good. Yep. Well, and marketing, since I know you were centered on marketing or you're asking about that, we do a marketing plan for the year. Uh, We'll set it out at the end of the year. We'll analyze how we did last year. Then we'll say, okay, for this year, we're going to do this. And we plan it month by month. And we plan our blogs. We plan our posts. It's all strategically planned. Believe me, you have to be, uh, you have to shift a little bit for current events. You know, Cosby breaks out. And then we have to, we shift and write about that or talk about the different things. But have a plan. And then we also do an analysis. So we'll look at who are our competitors? What are they doing? What are their websites look like? What's their, do we, do they, are they doing something great that maybe we should be doing? Or do we see something else in a different space that we could try out in ours? I think trying to look outside of the legal world too is helpful. Um, Because if we just do what everybody else is doing, what makes you different? And especially in a world of like, if you're just personal injury car crash, you don't want to be just like the 500, you know, car crash lawyers that are down the street. So I think really figuring out what your special thing is, what makes you different and celebrating that and promoting that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You got to stay on top of stuff. You got to be keeping looking at it. And yeah, you got to adjust and change sometimes along the way, but you just kind of be able to do that on the fly. Right. So you got a plan. Sometimes it'll change a little bit, but you can readjust. Right. Um, so yeah, I love that. So you mentioned uh, software. What I guess, what are some of the tools maybe you use to uh, manage the pipeline? So we use I we use Filevine, uh, which I really like. That's our case management software. Okay. We use Office 365. That's who controls. You mean our Outlook and that Team Viewer now because everything with court we're using Team Viewer. Um, I can actually, I don't have it here. Uh, It's not on my desk. During the pandemic, when we were originally forced home and I had to operate this ship from my house, I got everything on a lot of it. It's all on the cloud. And we, I'm able, I can run the entire firm from my iPad. And I love that, right? You never thought. So then it just freed you up because I could be anywhere in the world. I mean, at one point last year, I was in the Maldives and I was... (laughs) You know, yeah, it's great. Nope. Business. Uh, my, my whole firm is completely, I mean, we have an office physical, uh, which a few of us go to. I'm actually at my home office today, but I can be anywhere and, and still get everything done. So that's great. Yeah, that is the beauty 
I think that's a silver lining that came out of the pandemic is we realized that we don't have to actually physically be in the office if we don't need to be. Yeah. Um, our team there's a lot of great positive. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of cultural yeah. aspects of uh, I think you miss without the office for sure. So I think it's important. But I think it's not 100% necessary, especially for some folks we have that are talented that we need that might not even be in the area. So, you know, we our team's grown out to like four or five states at this point, but uh, we still have a physical office and we try to have two in-person events or so a year that we, you know, keep that culture going and, and keep everybody together. But it is nice to be able to work from anywhere if you need to. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up. Culture is so important. I think to get a team to work hard for you and to fight for your clients and to, there has to be buy-in and they have to be part of the mission and feel like they're part of something. And a lot of law firms don't, I think, spend time taking care of their employees and making sure like, how are you? I actually care about you and how you're doing and what can we do to help you grow and to be successful? And you know, those bonding events. Um, now it always turns out that all the girls in the office who work here, they all become friends and hang outside of work. And, you know, it's this whole thing. Nobody needed to come to the office, especially after, you know, the shutdown, everybody wanted to come. Everybody is here. I have 100% participation of employees who want to work in the office. Uh, I think because they just love hanging out with each other. They, we do all kinds of fun things. I got them a personal chef this year that comes in <laughs> and makes gourmet. Organic I'm coming in too. Them, right. I'm like, uh, you know, we just settled a big case the other day and I asked them, what do y'all want to do to celebrate um, your hard work? And they all said they wanted to go to Disneyland. So we got a limo bus into Disneyland. We went. Yeah. That's not too far um, for you. Yeah. I, I really let them take to have a say in our culture, um, the things that they like, well, you know, the snacks, we, I just want to make sure they're comfortable too. We got everybody slippers because nobody, I mean, right after the pandemic, everybody was wearing slippers. Everybody was home. Wearing flip -flops on right, now. right. And so try and put women back in heels now. We don't want to be in heels if we don't have to. So they started coming in and I noticed that they would like take off their heels when they got here. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make you wear heels. And if there's no clients in the office, what do I care what's on your feet? So I bought everybody slippers. Um, I have my slippers, slippers on. <laughs> I'm not wearing, I'm actually wearing my heels, but if I want to, later I can change into my fuzzy slippers. So they actually love it. It's just a silly little thing that means something to them and shows that yeah. I care and I care about this culture and i think i get such a great work product out of them and they take the cases personally like i do and they take their work here personally and because of that i think i have the best team they are a rock star team um so i really care about them and i think they care about me too and it's nice to know that i have employees that feel at least a portion of the way about i do about this company about this company and yeah. our clients because most of the time they say no one's ever going to care about your business like you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I think they care. No one will outwork you, but that's okay. You get, <laughs> you know, that's always going to be the case, I think. But it's also, when you get a culture like that, the other crazy, awesome part is if you end up hiring someone that's not a good fit culturally or is just not ethically, I mean, it's just whatever reason, they, they're not doing something they're supposed to be doing, your team will weed them out in, immediately and let you know that they, for whatever reason, need to not be here. Oh, no, we've had yeah. we've had a lot of nice people come through and it just wasn't the right fit for them. Either they just didn't fit in with our culture or they just couldn't do the job or whatever it was. Um, but they will, they're the first to be like, this is not the business. We need to 
We need to be like very nicely. Thank you. But next. Yeah. Um, but it's great when the team comes to you and says, Hey, this is uh, not, not probably the best fit here. Well, that's what happened. You thought you made a good hire and you put everything into it. And, and then you're like, Oh, okay. Well, if my team says it, uh, I got to take their word for it. Right. It's a family. We are definitely a firm family. And that comes with all of its lovely things. And sometimes some of it's like, believe me, everyone has their firm, you know, so-and-so's on so-and-so's having a bad day. And we have, I would definitely say if you talk to my other friends who manage firms, they're like, Jess, I don't know why you are so chill at your office, but it's worked well, congrats out. Congrats on, on creating a company like that. That's, that's amazing. I did have a question come in too. Yeah, go ahead. It's at the bottom there. Hey, the type Gary. of work you do is very inspiring. Jessica, what do you think of what, I guess, New York did with the New York Child Victims Act? So I'm not familiar with that myself. And they're trying to change the statute. I think I thought it was still, I thought it wasn't passed yet. Let's see. Child Victims Act. Um, Very throwing hardballs. Yeah, no, that is exactly what I thought it was. No, so they're trying to extend the statute. In California right now, we have a, you can go back 50 years. And there is a window of time now that we have revived sexual child sex abuse cases that were the statute had been blown. Um, they're trying to do that in New York. And my understanding is it was in the Senate and hadn't passed yet. I think, uh, did it go? I, it's got to be recent. If they did have it go, no, it says six hours ago. Went into effect, opened up a year long window. Yeah. Amazing. I think it's amazing. We have it in California. I think it's a wonderful tool for survivors because most survivors, especially child sex abuse survivors, we find that the average age that it takes someone to come forward mm -hmm. is usually at least eight years. And, you know, there are time that, um, oh, look at that. Oh, okay. My office is so neat. Um, I love my office. They're listening and they're like, Jess, here you go. So the one year look back window ends tomorrow. Boo. That's that awesome. is that. I hope that all the survivors find a lawyer today and all these lawyers are going to be so upset because they have to uh, file these cases ASAP. But mm. it was an amazing way to provide. One year, you said a one year window? So it looks like it did a one year look back window and they're mm. saying it ends tomorrow and only yeah. had one year, which is unfortunate. Um, I think that in California, we gave them three. I think survivors need more time. First of all, it's hard for survivors to figure this out, like to even know that it's out there. And yeah, then you've yeah. got to stir up all that old trauma and yeah, get yeah. someone to come forward. So so we've been really busy in California doing a lot of these older cases because most survivors aren't comfortable, especially when they're children. You know, even in their adulthood, they're starting to process that trauma and realizing, oh, my God, this is still affecting me at milestones in my life. I should do something to get justice. And then they usually go to criminal court. And a lot of times they can't prosecute because there's no, you know, it's or the evidence is hard to find. It was a long time ago. Records are destroyed. So then they figure out, oh, I have another option and that's civil justice. And what does that mean? Oh, it means I can get money for pain and suffering and for my medical bills that I've been paying counseling for the last 10 years. Um, so I highly support any state around the country who wants to open up these look back window statutes so that survivors have an opportunity to get the justice uh, they deserve. Because what we do know is that child sex abuse, that trauma is lifelong trauma. It's not yeah. trauma that's just going to go away. It is lifelong and survivors need a lifetime of care if they need it and they want it. <laughs> So I think any survivor should have that opportunity. Yeah, 100%. I actually helped found, I'm not going to take the credit for starting it, but I helped with the process of founding an organization called Protecting Children Foundation. And it's only child sex abuse is all we, we focused on. So it was, for one, a big learning experience for me being part of that and, you know, learning different things and signs and 
things to look out for with your own children. But also there was adults that were part of the program or whatever that were, were coming forward with stuff. And they were like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old of, you know, that they from when they were a child. And so it can take a long time, even most of your life before there's something you come forward with. I agree. So it's a tough organization to be part of, but uh, rewarding for sure. It's so rewarding. And that's the other thing, this type of work is there's a lot of burnout um, because it's so emotionally taxing. I practice self-care every week, you know, or try to do something every day for myself just to keep myself sane because in, including my entire staff, we offer counseling um, to them, any type of self-care, because it's not your regular type of personal injury case or a car crash. Yeah. You're getting someone who is telling you some horrifically graphic um, details, and there's lots of you know crying and trauma. And so it's not your jam. I always say to lawyers, especially after the Me Too movement, everybody wanted to be a Me Too lawyer after Me Too because there was these flood of cases and, you know, we got all the mass tort people jumped on the bandwagon and we're like, oh yes, we're all about it. But I just don't think it's a mass tort type of case. It's an individual specific case that deserves your attention yeah. and your support. And you become a counselor almost, not just a legal counselor, but like a personal, you know, you're counseling them, helping them, you know, having a compassionate perspective so if you're not ready to do that, then you should pick a different area. I, because if not, I think you're just going to hurt the survivor and you're going to traumatize them more. It, it really irks me when, you know, survivors call me and say, hey, I've got this lawyer and I signed up, but, you know, I came in and I met with him and he said to me, well, how many drinks did you have? Why did you decide to go to his house after, you know, you knew what, like, whoa, victim blaming. And what you don't realize is how you talk to a survivor about their story really frames how they feel about it and what they want to do. And our job is not to do any harm. It's to make it better to get justice. So if you don't understand what it's like to talk to a survivor and you're not trauma informed, you should go get some training so that you can do your job better. So that's a lot of the work I do is helping lawyers do that and promoting that because I just saw this influx where everybody wanted to be me to me to learn. Okay. Well, if you're going to be me to learn, at least do it right. Because I just don't want people getting hurt. Well, actually, all right. Well, we're almost out of time here, I guess. What, so I guess everyone, please check out, put the link to her website in the comments victimlawyer.com so check jessica out there uh, go check her out on social media she's they have great followings their marketing is is really great even though that's what we do we do marketing for law firms but check out what she's doing awesome uh, she's doing the right things and you know it, and it shows for sure so everyone watching you can check out more episodes like this on arraylaw.com forward slash podcast jessica's episode will be up soon it'll be on the podcast it'll stay on youtube of course uh and, and linkedin on my profile so check that out jessica uh what is the best way for people to connect with you directly or personally if they want to. Yeah, you can go to our site, but I uh, call the office 619-516-8166. Uh, you can shoot me an email, uh, jpride at pridelawfirm.com. Or if you're on an Instagram account, just send us a DM. I do actually check them quite regularly. Nice. Uh, there's lots of ways to get a hold of us. We want to make sure that if you need support, you have questions. I'm here. Happy to help you. Happy to answer some questions. I think there are so... There's so much success to be had in the world and there's so many survivors and people out there who need help. So if I can be a resource to you so that you can help more people and together we can make a bigger difference in this world, I am here for you. Yeah, excellent. Great conversation. Managing partners listening, tune into this again, listen to what Jessica has to tell you and uh, I think you can learn a lot. So Jessica, thanks so much for joining me. You can stay on for just a second. We'll Thank end the you, live. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Everyone have a good Friday and we will talk to you soon. Bye.
Bye.